Thank you, thank you, Andy, and uh, it's uh, it's good to be here. A little tired, perhaps, but really good. And I had the name Rob. I'm looking around because I think I know Rob. Uh, where are you, Rob? Long time no see. Bless your brother as you go up there to Queensland. I'll be following, I think, in a few months' time. But um, it's good to be here, and um, I, I, I'm not yet fully, uh, perhaps, uh, identified with you folk. You'll notice I still have my tie on, and, <laughs> and but you'll notice that I have uh, a different coat. I haven't worn my suit today, and. Uh, and it's really good. I went into with uh, is it Andy or Andrew? Andy, his mum calls him Andrew probably. Uh, <laughs> I went into to pray with Andy and the family, uh, the clan here. And uh, here was Rachel. Where's Rachel? Rachel was on her knees in front of her husband. Isn't that lovely? Doing up his trousers at the bottom. And I thought to myself, how like a, a wife. At least I hope she was his wife at that time. <laughs> I had with her. I thought that maybe she was proposing. <laughs> so it is really good. It's just like my wife would do to me. In fact, she was picking at something when I was sitting there and probably somebody's hair. But uh, it's, it, it's really good to be here. And I was really thrilled too for your participation, involvement in uh, Belgrave Heights. It's, uh, it's always had a very special... Uh, place in our hearts, although we haven't been able to go since we've been down here in Sydney, we belong to the Katoomba Convention Council, but here we haven't been able to get along. But I remember Belgrave for many, many, on many, many occasions. Uh, there were momentous occasions for me. The Lord blessed and touched our hearts spiritually and, and in other ways. In fact, that's uh, where I actually asked my mother-in-law if I could marry her daughter, her eldest. And she said, yes. And she said it so quickly that I was wondering what I was getting into. <laughs> and I was with my mother-in-law the other day and she's 103, 103. And she is so alert, so alert. We write a little book when we go and see mum and... Um, just as a sort of diary of those who have been in to see her. And I said to him, well, mum, what have you been doing these days? And quick as a flash, without hesitation, she said, I've been doing my seven-word spell. My seven-word spell. And immediately she went on. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Nothing. Not bad. Not bad for a 103 year old. She still is able to say her times table, 12 times table backwards, and also her alphabet. And we love her. Why do I mention that? Because we're family. And there's nothing more important, I believe, for family to know and to belong to God and the family of God. And uh, as we come to read the word, you know, I was thinking of my dear friend, who I haven't known very long, just three years since the fires, I got to know Lee, his beloved, but also Garth. 
he rang me up a couple of weeks ago and he said, uh, could you come on the 22nd? And I said, I think I'm booked because I have a church to, that I'm pastoring at and um, I don't want to relinquish the, the opportunities up there but uh, I quickly turned to my diary because I did want to come back and say thank you for your prayers over the past few years especially and uh, we have really, really appreciated them. And I saw I was clear and then he said, would you preach on Romans 9, 7, 11? Well, you don't ask a preacher to preach on those unless he's well and truly prepared. The hardest part of the New Testament, arguably, and certainly of Romans. I mean, it wouldn't have been good if we had just finished at Romans 8 with that beautiful, beautiful sort of doxology. We're more than conquerors. And then perhaps to have gone on to to chapter 12 and to sort of reiterate the need to uh, present our bodies a continuing sacrifice. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? I want you to imagine this morning as we read in a few moments that you're in Rome. I was going to say 1959, but it wasn't. It was A.D. 59. And Phoebe, that's it, Phoebe, actually a deaconess, according to the authorised version, a footnote there, that she was a deaconess. And she bare a, a message, a letter, written by Paul. And they were, I guess you've seen that you've been doing the study on Romans, you know all about the beginning, so I won't say much other than Phoebe is back in Rome, or has come to Rome with a letter from Paul. And she's speaking primarily, well she's speaking to the church there, but consisting of probably... Most of them are Jews or proselytes who have become Jews and had heard the gospel back in Jerusalem from Peter. And that's the background. And, and there are problems that they've been struggling with, perhaps, as all Jews did at that time and still do today. And the problems were of, you know, being justified by works and the law the Lord of Righteousness was a call to the the faith of righteousness. And so there were all sorts of things holding people back or they were going back to in their own minds. That was in around about 59 A.D., That was then, but nothing has changed as we will, as I believe we will see as we think about what they faced and what we face today. Let us just bow in a moment of prayer. Father, I pray that as your word is read, as your word is spoken, that you'll hide me behind Calvary love, that the Lord Jesus Christ alone will be lifted up and that he will 
glorify he will be glorified the spirit himself will touch our hearts and our minds and cause us to walk in righteousness in your righteousness not clothed in our righteousness because our righteousness is as filthy rags but clothed in your righteousness not by works but by faith in Jesus' powerful name Amen We commence reading from Romans chapter chapter 9 and verse 30 What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. But as it were, by the works done of the law or the works of the law and they stumbled and they stumbled at the stumbling stone for as it is written behold I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offence and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame And Paul is speaking from Isaiah and he's speaking from Isaiah he's speaking about the coming Messiah. He goes on in chapter 10 and he says Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer of God prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, Or who will descend into the abysses, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. For with the heart 
one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession confession is made unto salvation for the scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved how then how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said Lord who has believed our report so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God but I say have they not heard have they not heard yes indeed their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world but I say says Paul did Israel not know did Israel not know I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation I will move you to anger by a foolish nation but Isaiah is very bold and says I was found by those who did not seek me I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me but Israel but to Israel but to Israel he says all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people oh may God bless to us his word and give us understanding as we read and seek to know the mind of God and what it is for us today for though I suggested that we imagine that we're sitting there with small groups of Jewish people who have received Christ back there in Rome there are families and if you look at chapter 16 you'll know some of the names Aquila and Priscilla are there in all probability and Phoebe has come with this letter and we're not saying that she read the letter but she would have given it to someone to read and it wouldn't have come out as perhaps we have it in front of us exactly with chapters and verses noted but it would have been read and Paul here as he did so often in the synagogues where he 
actually preached in those first journeys that he took. He would sit like a, a teacher and he would ask the questions just as we see he does here in chapter 9 and chapter 10. What shall we say then? He asks the questions, he gives the answer. And it's my lot to talk from 30 to the end of the chapter. I just want to say that there are many key words in this chapter, but the great emphasis is on the word righteousness. Not the righteousness of man, but the righteousness of God. And the people that he's writing to, many are thinking that the righteousness that they have attained, although they heard Peter speak, some of them may have heard Jesus speak, but although they heard Jesus, uh, Peter speak on that occasion of Pentecost and afterwards, and many hundreds if not thousands were saved, they would know that the Christ had come. But they couldn't get their mind around the idea that they did not have to continue to keep the letter of the law. And that it wasn't there the things that they did that was going to count for eternity but it's all that he did on the cross and in his resurrection. We don't worship a crucified Christ or a crucifixion, I should say. We worship an empty cross, an empty tomb and a risen Lord. And it's according to his righteousness, God's righteousness. Let me read from verse 30 again, because it is so important. Notice the times that Paul uses the word righteousness. In the next ten or so verses, he uses the word the righteousness of faith, or the righteousness of God, at least twelve times. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not look for righteousness have attained righteousness. Hey, this is not fair. This is unfair. That we have been searching for righteousness, we have been keeping the law of righteousness, but we haven't attained it. How come these Gentiles who don't know anything about the law, who know nothing about Scripture, have attained it? What's the difference between what we have done and what they have done? Well, they have believed by faith in what Christ has done. And they live now in the light of the Word, understanding that it's not the works that saved, but it's their faith. 
But Israel sort of says he pursued in the Lord of righteousness has not attained the Lord of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. There was a stumbling block. There was a stumbling block of which the prophets have spoken about in Isaiah chapter 8 and again in Isaiah chapter 28. A stumbling block, a stone upon which the Jewish people, the nation would stumble. And that stone was Jesus. That stone was the rock. That stone for the Jews, they couldn't get their mind around it really that the Messiah had come and that he had to die. This horrible death upon the cross. They couldn't get their mind around it that all the works and all the things that they've done for so many years that they had been taught by rote to understand the scripture and they knew the scripture. In verse 3 it says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. I want to suggest, and I do so humbly but lovingly suggest, that nothing has changed. I don't know the congregation. You all look lovely. I suppose I should say the girls especially in this day and age but you do all look great and you're here to worship God and I shared in that worship and I sensed within myself as I worshipped that I was in a house of worship but you know Christ is still a stumbling block to some you know, before, before Paul said, before Paul said, wrote this letter and spoke about faith, before Paul, Paul said, uh, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation for everyone who believes. Before he said that, the just shall live by faith. There was a guy right back there in the prophet's named Habakkuk. You remember? Habakkuk, chapter 2, and I think it's about verse 6. Habakkuk was the one who was upset with the world. Everything was going wrong. Like some of us today, we're looking around and we're looking at governments and changing governments. We talk about election. I tell you what, I think an election would be good at this point in time. But that's getting political. We're not talking about that election here or the choosing I believe Paul was, being, was saying right from the very beginning that he's chosen and we have been chosen if we're born again of the Spirit of God we've been chosen to be sons we've been called to be saints and are separated but we're commissioned to be servants and for many that is a stumbling block for the Christian. Back there in Habakkuk, he was struggling. And you know what he was saying in chapter 1, if you look to it later on, I don't know how much time I have really, but I'm going to... What? Half past? Right, we'll finish by then, Lord willing. There in Habakkuk, 
with all the struggles and he says how long Lord do we have to wait Pat how long do we have to struggle how long do we have to hear the things that we're hearing see the things that are happening how long do we have to suffer and it's not right we believe the word of God and and yet we suffer I've had that question over and over again in these past years and I've had even Christians come along and say but you're a Christian you're the minister of the gospel why has this happened to you I say well if nothing has happened to us something's been removed and it's been replaced we know in whom we have believed and we are convinced that he is able to keep us and to protect us and to provide for us and to empower us but above all that we believe that we have a relationship with a holy God and that's Christianity dear friends a relationship with Jesus Christ a personal relationship with a person holy righteous merciful God Habakkuk didn't have it in his day he just looked around the world and he said well how long is this going to last I'm tired of it. How long? He's angry. Almost at the Lord. And then in chapter 2 he says, I'll stand and I'll watch and I'll wait to see what God is going to say. And God tells him what's going to happen. And then he says these beautiful words and I believe Paul picked them up from Habakkuk as led of the Spirit. The just shall live by faith hey let me tell you those Jews gathered there in Rome and we gathered here tonight today this morning here this morning we have one who justifies us by faith not by the laws we do the laws we keep we cannot earn the right to be called the son of God we cannot earn the right to do the work of God it's by faith faith in an unchanging God and yet there are those who struggle when I went to theological college or Bible college back in the many years ago and long since I had men who taught me who struggled at the the virgin birth the incarnation people who struggled with the the judgments of God people who struggled and it was a Christ was to them a stumbling block Christ was a a good person who lived then and yes he may have died but the blood was not important they were ignorant of God's righteousness just as some of us are today we hurt I used to be very pugnacious in my youth we hurt when somebody punches us we bleed when someone cuts us 
we're sad and sorrowful when we hear of things that Pat mentioned this morning and the own struggles that we ourselves have and it's so easy to stand with Habakkuk of old and say how long do we have to put up with this I want to tell you that the just shall live by faith what does that mean well it means that we believe the word of God you'll notice how much the word of God is spoken in this passage and in these passages you know Paul always went back the Lord Jesus when he was quoting scripture when he walked and taught and ministered on earth and in those last days when he walked with the disciples on the road to Emmaus and he spoke to them and spoke to the disciples later on and he spoke from the word of God he spoke about the scriptures he pointed back Paul does the same thing here to the people that would be listening to what was being read back there in Rome to the Jewish people to the proselytes who knew the scripture and he was saying to them look it's here in the scripture you're not going to be justified by your works you're going to be justified by faith in a faithful God a righteous God a holy God a God who loves you so much that he gave his only son therein is the Messiah the one who suffered and died he goes on in this passage and you'll have to read it to yourself because it is so so very precious but he speaks there about what we are to do in verse 9 he says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead we will be saved believe and that word means to trust you know I was believing that my team would win yesterday and they did but almost wistful thinking it's not that sort of belief I believe we're going to have a good trip home I believe it's going to rain it's, 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 it's a belief in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself because he is the one who came to give his life that we may live he gave his life upon the cross for our sins he rose from the grave so that he might live and give himself to us. Gave himself for us. Gives himself to us in the resurrection. And one day he's going to come again. But we still stumble. We stumble because we don't hear and we don't understand and we pick and choose what we want to believe about the scripture about the word of God but when he says how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they're saints I want to say there's not one person here 
who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour does not qualify as being one who has been sent. Oh, being sent is going to the mission field. Being sent is becoming a preacher. Being sent is is standing behind a pulpit. No. He said of his disciples, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But he goes on to say, and sometimes we forget, that we are committed to good works. And the good works is being the salt of the air, the light of the world in the community. And some are drawn out and are sent out. Like um, Chris said. Hmm? Chris? What did he learn? Well, we're all supposed to be doing the job, aren't we? We're all supposed to be part and parcel of the one team. We're all supposed to be out there witnessing. Some of us can't say the right thing. I'm always in that. I always have that problem. Always getting myself into trouble. Some of us who go out and say, well, we're not very sure, really. I, 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 I hope I'm saved. I, I, um, I think I'm saved. Why do we say, I hope I'm saved? I think I'm saved. Is it because we stumble, just as the Jews did, at the word of God and what Christ has done for us? I have a niece in England who says, I, I know that Jesus lived a historical fact, but for him to be the Son of God, to be God, part of the triune Godhead, I can't believe that. Dear friends, I was taught when I arrived in England as a 17 year old boy, young boy, by myself, from England take on the world. I wasn't a Christian. I was far from it. I came to the Lord in Brisbane. I shared that testimony with you years some time ago. I was learned to use the word. Never used it. My oath. And that meant that a person was saying, fair dinkum. My oath. And that meant something in those days when I was in the Air Force. They wanted, wanted to challenge me, or I them, you know, my oath. Well, listen, I want to tell you it's God's oath to us, His promise to us. His promise to us. I will never, get this, never leave you, nor forsake you. I will be with you through thick and thin. I will be with you all the time. And what holds me to that? It is this word of God. There are a couple of things I wanted to mention. I will, just one. So 
I might go one minute over time. In those last verses. I have found by those who did not see me. I didn't see him. He sought me. And over the years, since the 28th of the 10th, 1953, I can, I think, honestly say that I feel sorry for those who have not had a crisis conversion. (laughs) Because I knew from the moment I was born again, I was different. And I've done a lot of work in my time since then in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's never been my work. It's never been my work. I have never qualified for the positions I've held, for the things that I've done. He has qualified me for them. And it's the same for each and every one of us. None of us can say we're not qualified if we love the Lord Jesus Christ and if he is our personal friend and saviour. Let me just read in closing something that I, a friend of mine received this week from a friend of ours. It was a letter. And uh, I think it says it all, really. It's about Elijah. You're going to face Elijah next week, I think. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In other words, God was trying to impress upon Elijah that he had allowed himself to become impressed with the activity of God instead of the person of God. That's something we do, don't we? So keen about the activity of God rather than the person of God himself. Elijah's opinion of himself had become too big because he was centred on the big things that God was doing through him instead of God, who is the biggest thing there is. So God reminded Elijah. We say that our souls pound for God. Closer to the truth is that our souls pant for the activity of God. Our souls lust for being used by God instead of longing to know God who has graced us with his constant indwelling presence. The light finally came on. Now Elijah gets it. God loves me. He's willing to use me. But he doesn't need me. It's more important to God that I know who he is than the people know who I am. God is infinitely greater than the sum of his activity. And we must discover our satisfaction to be who he is and not merely what he does. Will I love him if he doesn't love me? If he doesn't use me? Will I shrink into darkness of depression when life doesn't turn out as I have expected? Or will I draw near to the one who is my life. Jesus Christ. He reaches out through his people. He's still reaching out. And he's reaching out through those of us who love him. Whether we can verbalise the word, 
or whether we just live it. And may I suggest it is important for both to verbalise and to actualise, to be the salt and to be the light and to let people know both in the church and outside the church that it's by faith we're saved. Not by being brought up in a Christian home. Not by going to church Sunday by Sunday. Not by reading the Bible. Not by These things are all important and might bring us to that place of surrender. But it's a simple asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive your sin to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and to clothe you with his righteousness and then you will be able to say from the depths of your heart I know where I'm going I turned 78 the other day and I tell you these last since 1953 these days have been joyous days days of sorrow days of sadness but never a day when I doubted doubted the living God let me pray Father I thank you and praise you for your word let's pray that you will speak to our hearts and continue to speak to mine in Jesus powerful name and for your glory Amen